Thanks for pressing play on the Real-Time 3D in Education podcast. My name is Mike Washman. Our guest this episode is a rising star in STEM education. And the way we know that he's a rising star is that he was just named as a Prime Minister's Award winner for Teaching Excellence in STEM by our government in Canada. And a lot of that work is on the back of using Unreal Engine and real-time 3D technology tools. He's doing amazing things with kids in his classroom on things like video production design. That, you know, when you think about the ceiling of video production design and how hard it could be potentially to teach that to young students, it's nothing short of a miracle in some cases that these kids come out of a class like that and are able to create the things that they're creating with him. He's also never stopped learning, and that's what I love about Mark. He recently went through the virtual production fellowship and that's not something a normal teacher would likely do it's going way beyond expectations in order to enhance skills so that you can teach better and man i find that inspiring i find that exciting um and i think you will too so take a listen to my conversation with Mark Dubo. All right, Mark Dubo, welcome to the podcast. How you doing, man? Very good. It's great to have you here. And right off the bat, um, I, I mentioned the Prime Minister's Award, um, and I wanted to congratulate you. That's a that's a heck of an achievement. I have a a few friends uh, who who have received it in in the past. Um, and it's always, you know, this incredible moment, uh, recognizing years and years and years of hard work. You must be pretty proud. Well, absolutely. I mean, as a teacher, w winning the award meant a lot, obviously. And, and for STEM, because I've done quite a few innovative things and uh, it can be challenging whenever you're in the classroom to try to innovate because you're always, you know, there's always 30 kids in front of you times three. So that's a hundred kids a day almost. So you gotta figure it all out. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some of those innovative things. Um, what I'd love to do is for you to share your background a little bit, share how you became interested in real-time 3D, kind of your pathway. Um, um, a, a common thread with folks, um, both uh, like me and some of the other folks that we talked to, is that we don't start out getting into, into education thinking we're going to do this. Um, and and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious um, where your path led um, that ended up um, with you receiving the Prime Minister's Award for teaching excellence in STEM and doing all of this amazing work in Unreal Engine. Well, for years, I was a history and economics teacher. So I, that's my background, actually, in social sciences and all that. Yep. But it just happened that they needed somebody to step into this role. And 
you know, I was a big gamer. I was like technology. I was always a bit of a geek, uh, you know. So uh, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Plus, you know, I had been doing a bunch of stuff with uh, friends, you know, at my other school in Comtech. And uh, we've been in contact with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Sisler High School. They have a great program in Manitoba. Probably one of the best animation high schools probably in the world, honestly. They just competed in a 24-hour animation contest. And they probably, they won last year, best high school. They always do. So anyways, so I've been collaborating with them. And one thing led to another. And then, you know, I just jumped into the role. And uh, I was doing Photoshop and all the stuff that uh, communication technology teachers do. Uh, you know, graphic design and, and that kind of thing. And film editing. Uh, which I enjoyed doing a lot. I, I, and 3D started being a thing. And then I was like, okay, well, how do I bring 3D into my films that I'm doing with the kids? And, you know, the other thing is, how can I do it that it doesn't cost money? You know, because, and, and I don't need to get eight approvals from, you know, <laughs> right. school board or whatever. But of course, making sure everything is fair and, and safe for kids, obviously. And so, and I always pay attention to the kids since I started teaching, you know, this is even when I was a history teacher or an economics teacher, teacher, kids would show me, oh, look at this amazing website for tracking stocks and we do it. And yeah, this is great. Then I bring it into the class. So the same thing happened is one day a kid is like, there's this thing called Unreal Engine, sir, that just came out. It used to cost a lot of money and now it's free and you can make your own games. And I kind of like, sent myself a reminder to look into it mm -hmm. it was probably a year later and this was probably seven years ago now and you know there were hardly no tutorials on youtube i know it's totally different now like when i started there was no nobody there was like one or two guys uh that were doing it and they were professionals or they worked in the industry mm -hmm. and i started looking at their stuff and the big thing it's always looking at what's there and how can i bring that back to you know, so it works with young minds, you know, not just because often sometimes if it's too technical, well, then it won't work because you'll lose three quarters of the students. So that's the big challenge all the time. Uh, it's like right now we're trying I'm trying to find new pathways to do virtual production in high school. And part of the problem is, and if you're not familiar with virtual production, it's basically the Mandalorian. So, you know, that's not where I started. That's where I'm at now. Uh, for years, I, I taught them how to do 3D game design, but nobody was doing this and I was doing it, you know, and because the only place you'd see 3D games are on your Xbox or on your PlayStation. And so we would make this uh, game where it was fun at first. It was well, still fun. Uh, and so the kids would design a, a model. And at the time I was using Maya, which I could easily get for the school, the licenses and and I've since switched to Blender since last year, and it's been a bit of a challenging, just, you know, change. But again, with you always use what you think is best for the students as opposed to what's well, and you hope that it's industry aligned. Maya is definitely industry aligned, uh, but Blender is the growing kind of, you know, little guy that doesn't give up. And it, it's really a great tool and the kids really have taken to it uh, probably more than Maya because Maya is there's. I don't know if you've ever used it. There's menus everywhere. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's it's a bit tough. So let's let's actually talk about that a bit because it leads really well into my next question, which is that a lot of these tools have like incredibly high ceilings. Um, 
you know, they are the industry leading products. I mean, Unreal Engine is arguably the most used game design engine on the planet um, and is increasingly being used in in tons of other industries. Um, we know and you've mentioned things like Blender um, and things like uh, you didn't mention it, but Twin Motion. I mean, these products, these tools have you know, ridiculously high ceilings. And so translating kind of these hard to learn concepts, um, or at least like the, 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 the high ceiling version of it. And this is kind of where kids think, right? They, they're, they're like, I want to make like the next, you know, MMORPG or whatever, right? They're, 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 they tend to, you know, shoot for the moon in some cases. Um, but they're starting with, you know, in probably a lot of your situations with little to no knowledge, just a lot of like gusto and and like motivation, but not a lot of like core skill. Um, so um, talk a little bit about how you introduce something with such an incredibly high ceiling and with probably pretty high expectations for success um, to students that um, have no knowledge and experience at this at all yeah i think the thing with me that i don't know some teachers are not comfortable with this but i'm okay with not being an expert in something when i teach it you know i don't think we're ever experts let's say i was talking about economics well i wasn't an expert in economics but i was you know i helped write the curriculum for the ministry for example you know but I take that same approach with the technology. I knew a, I knew that it looked like a tool that had a ton of potential, but then I would give it to the students and we'd learn together. I'd give them often the basics and then I would learn with them. And so that, that I think is the secret with a lot of this new media is uh, the teachers, you can't keep up because it's always changing, especially these cloud-based tools. I used to be a Google's trainer or whatever that meant. It's kind of changed since, but... Uh, you know, and the tool changes every year. So whatever I was doing eight years ago was some of it's still there, but a lot of it has changed. And it's the same with this is with the kids in front of you. You mentioned, you know, they have a lot of gusto and that's the thing. They they will teach me stuff all the time. There's a lot of things I teach now as part of my class. I learned from a student or this student or that student. And, and you know, I adapt on the go. I constantly refresh my lessons. You know, I I need like... A lot more free time to to do all the things I want to do because there's just not enough. And, and I think in education, that's what's missing is a lot of teachers would like to do what I'm doing, and I do it as my hobby. It's sort of like I go home at night, and I'm not a big TV watcher, so I, I kind of dig into this stuff. And that's that that that's and and the students have helped me a lot, uh, basically. Awesome, that's awesome. And I mean. So speaking of digging into things and using your free time to continue to learn, um, and that that is also absolutely a through line between all of the, almost all of the people we've talked to for this um, podcast have been through, for example, the Unreal Accelerator um, and, and are really passionate about learning. But you are taking this to even another level um, by joining the virtual production fellowship. And I think that that's fascinating because um, 
teachers teachers do PD all the time. They you know they have PD days where they learn new things. They go to conferences. They do sessions. But joining like an industry fellowship is not something a teacher would usually do. It, you're a little extreme in that regard, and that's amazing. So I'd love to hear you know your mo your motivation for for doing it. Why? Um, what drove you to want to take? kind of your learning to the next level? Well, at the time Epic knew of me and I was help. I'm, I've designed some of their courses and there's some of them coming out, but uh, so they kind of knew what I was doing and they, they asked me if I was interested. So I didn't even, cause I don't think I would have thought I could have gone in type of thing. Cause it's, I don't, people thought, the comparison I always give, it's kind of like, I, I, you know, I play a bit of hockey around, you know, around my neighborhood and an NHL team asked me to jump on the ice. Well, that's kind of what it was because everybody that was there is the top of their industry. You know, one guy had worked on every Avenger movie that had been released up to that point as like their VFX person. Another guy was the lead project on the new Avatar coming out. And here's me, a little high school guy coming along who's like definitely dabbled uh, and it was a humbling experience. And I, I always knew I didn't know a lot, but you know, I knew, I knew enough, but uh, you know, one of the things that it was definitely, a, you know, the, as I, my hat goes off to those guys in industry, because when we took the course, it was six days a week during my summer. And it was at least eight hours a day. So it was nuts. And, you know, at the end, we just produced this three little minute video, which wasn't doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, it's just what you because the problem is you want to challenge yourself, but you also didn't want to go too far because then if you couldn't accomplish what it was you were doing. And at the time, the tools were not as polished as they are now. And the other thing that I do differently than industry people is I try not to use this big, expensive tool that I can't afford. For my students i try to do everything in the engine uh you know and this is like if you look online now you'll see mixamo is everywhere i swear i was probably the first on youtube to post anything on mixamo and i've probably taken the video down since and mixamo is basically this free tool that adobe has that was kind of left on the side and it wasn't really even adobe wasn't pushing it but I, I jumped on and saw the potential because you could rig your character with a you know click of a button. So a couple of buttons and you have a rig character that you can then animate, which is perfect for kids because if you've ever tried to create a rig uh, manually, it's brutal, it's not fun, it takes two weeks. But I don't have two weeks, so I need something that works in five minutes. And it, it's not perfect, but for high school kids, it's more than awesome. You know, like that's amazing. It, and so, tell me a little bit about how you were able to translate what you learned um, from the virtual production fellowship uh, to your teaching. So, I, I mean, you didn't do this. I mean, I'm sure you did this for fun. I was going to say you didn't do it for fun, but I'm sure it was it was fun and certainly a, 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 an amazing personal, you know, you know, bucket list type learning experience, but how did you um apply this to your your classroom uh, did, did, did were you able to take anything out of that and 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 use it with your students 
yes, I, I did. And, and I'm still doing it. I'm still evolving it. And, you know, like I, we did a bunch of videos last year and it went great. I should have posted them more of them because I kind of don't, I'm not good at, well, I'm not that I don't like social media, you know, like I used to be on Twitter and, you know, it's like a thing that's like, it's such a commitment. I just don't enjoy it. You know, and I should be better at promoting myself. And, and often what would happen is I, when I went to the fellowship, everybody's on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, I guess I have a LinkedIn profile. Maybe I should do stuff, but I don't consciously do that because I, I don't, you know, the schools are like, we're locked in. We don't usually like even share between schools. It might be a school 10 minutes down the road. And I don't, it's not because I don't want to, it's just, like the whole, they're closed systems. It's so hard um, to meet. And there used to be way more opportunities in the old days for PD where we'd meet with the same uh, trades, if you like, or the same subject areas. Sure. Uh, and no, so one of the things I've been, you know, there's been big changes in the way you rig characters. So I'm like testing a bunch of stuff. And the thing that kind of happened is right after I came out of the fellowship, well, not right after, but about six months after is when Unreal Engine 5 came out. Well, it's like upgrading from Windows 98 to Windows 11. OK, like, yeah, and it is way better, by the way. And it's actually easier for students. Yeah. So, you know, and all the lessons I designed for Epic were all done in the Unreal Engine 4. But this tool is better and, and it's easier if you're a beginner. But so what I'm doing now is kind of like seeing how I can take all the stuff I learned during the fellowship and my old lessons and how I can improve them. That's and it, it's a big task because there's never any time. I never have time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, that's awesome. So um, last last question here, Mark. We, we like to talk about the future here on this podcast. And uh, certainly real-time 3D is a pretty futuristic topic in terms of especially in terms of education um but i'm curious where do you see the work you're doing in real-time 3d um in five to seven years where where do you see your students where do you see your um capabilities what what do you what do you imagine your future looks like um in terms of using these types of tools and doing this type of teaching well, the tool is amazing because, and the reason why I'm so interested in virtual production is because it's the ability to tell stories. And, you know, we can all film, uh, you know, kids doing something in the halls and all that. That's fine. But with virtual production, you can make it look like the kids on the moon. So in Unreal Engine 5, it's really easy with the Quixel bridge, if you're not familiar with it, to make an environment that is out of this world, high quality. And it, it looks like the set of the Mandalorian and it was done in your grade nine class or something like that's possible. So in the future, I can, you know, the big obstacle is still the mocap. You know, I have a Rococo suit and it's it doesn't work as well as I would like it to because there's so much magnetic interference at the school because of the Wi-Fi routers. I was able to finally figure it out. But so the future when we tell the stories, because right now the kids are able to create their character, let's say a little robot in Blender, and they can animate it, uh, you know, in their movie, but it doesn't look as, so in the future, I, I, I know the quality of what we're doing is going to massively improve. And it's, you know, the accessibility of this tool to, you know, create worlds in VR, which we've also done in my class, 
you know, creating those virtual realities, creating stories that are just 2D in a 3D environment that people can watch on YouTube. You know, like it's a very exciting time to be doing this. And uh, I'm trying to pass the word around to get, you know, more school boards. And you know, I had some people support me at my school board and, and because they saw what I was doing. So I, if anybody's one of those decision maker people, they're always very nervous. And there's definitely things, uh, you know, like with the tool Unreal Engine, it comes with the marketplace, which, you know, you have to have a lot of trust of students and or the, the educators are in charge. So I, you know, they trusted me and, you know, I've never had kids not listen to me, but it's like, if you have good classroom management, whether you're teaching history or computer or whatever, like I'm doing, uh, you'll be fine. And, and I think that's what it comes down to. So they're often nervous, but if you have a teacher who's got good control of their classes, which most teachers are like that, uh, you know, they could do this too. I mean, and I guess the school boards really need to get behind people like me. And there's a lot of others that are trying and they're constantly the door shut in their face, but they, they also have that that interest and that, that desire to, to bring these tools that are gonna give the kids a lot of power. And the, the main thing too, is this is where the jobs are. Like that's not, we're not just doing this because it's fun, yay. It's not about that only, it definitely is that too. But there's a ton of jobs. Like yesterday, I had a teacher that teaches in, you know, colleges in New York City, you know, with a bunch of dance, you know, students and all this and are doing mocap. And she dropped in to see me, a high school teacher, to give her advice. And so the colleges need to also be open because, you know, the conversation we had is, yeah, there's a lot of this in New York City. There's a lot of this in Montreal, but she doesn't speak French. There's a lot of it in Toronto, but she was able to, you know, she has a job now in, in New York because everybody's fighting. There's these, they're putting in these, you know, million dollar LED walls and they can't find a single person to, to help them with the programming. And my kids know how to do it, by right. the way. And they're only in grade 11. So the future is that lots of jobs, lots of potential. There is uh, tons of potential. Uh, Mark Dubo, thank you so much for chatting uh, with me today. Well, thanks, Mike. It was a pleasure to meet you.